0: Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? I'm just making sure you're in the room. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. You may be seated at this time. If you've been around our church for any period of time, you've probably heard the word said, revival. In fact, around here, you don't go too many services without hearing that word. You'll hear somebody get up, and you'll hear them pray over us and say, Church, it just feels like a revival atmosphere. You'll hear a preacher preach and talk about that we just need to have revival. Oftentimes we sing about it, preach about it, teach about it, talk about it, post on Facebook about it, my, did we have revival tonight. And oftentimes, this word revival can quickly become a Christian catchphrase, sort of like other words that we may not truly know the meaning of. We sort of can throw it around in conversation. My, I liked that song. That's a revival song. Man, did we have a beautiful spirit of worship tonight. We had revival. We have Brother Tapia coming to preach, and aren't we gonna have revival? And we hear this word thrown around oftentimes, maybe not always understanding what it is that that means. And so perhaps you've wondered the question before what is revival? Or maybe you've even wondered what is a revival church? What does a revival church look like? So tonight I'm going to be talking about the topic of personal revival. Re- revival is commonly mistaked as being an isolated event, as something that we invite people to And expect them to show up because we have a minister that's coming to preach. And we often associate this with an event or perhaps even a conference. We say that we're going to have revival. But I want to clearly state tonight that revival is not an event. Perhaps that may mix up your thinking a little bit because you've known revival as being an event. Furthermore, I want to say tonight that revival is not a style of preaching and it's not a good worship service. In fact, revival is none of those things. Simply, and if you're a note taker tonight, I encourage you to do so, simply revival is the act of something being revived, restored to life or restored to consciousness. And so we say revive from whence we get the word revival. So what does that mean? The word insinuates that something that was dead is now coming to life. Now what could that mean? We speak of something being dead and now coming to life. This is applicable to the spiritual resurrection that each person must go through. Scripture says it like this. In Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 4 and 5, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were, listen to this, dead in sins, We were dead in sins. What a descriptive language that that scripture uses. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Have you ever noticed that it seems like that when people get caught up in lifestyles of sin, they get caught up in their fleshliness, they get caught up in things that they sort of walk around looking like the walking dead. They don't have joy on their face. Come on, are you with me tonight? Have you ever noticed that people walk around kind of like the walking dead? They, They don't have the joy of life inside of them. They walk around depressed. They get angry at others. They have bitterness in their heart. They walk around looking like they're dead because truly if you could see through the eyes of the Spirit, you wouldn't see a person standing there. You'd probably see a casket. And on that casket... Would be signed off sin. Because that's what sin does to people. Is spiritually. It kills the individual. It leaves the person without peace. And without life. And without joy. Romans the 6th chapter verse 23. We've all heard it before. It simply says. For the wages of sin is what? Is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we talk about this topic of revival, of something being dead being revived unto life. And of course we know that the wage of sin is death. And so when we live a lifestyle of the flesh... When we live a lifestyle that is absent of God, we are living a lifestyle that will ultimately end up in spiritual death. It's the wage of sin. It's the product of sin. There's no way around it. Can I speak to you tonight and say that if you've lived a lifestyle of sin, it may feel good for a moment. But in the end, it will lead you to a place of isolation and desolation. A place of spiritual death that will leave you longing for something more. Have you ever noticed that even people that make it all the way to the top, people that have millions of dollars, that seem like they have it all together, that have the attention of our society, are often the people that end up choosing to commit suicide, Ending up in jail for reasons that should have never happened. Turning to things that you'd never imagine them turning to. And I've heard people say things along the lines of, they had it all. They had everything. They didn't have to worry about money. They had the fame. They had the fortune. It seemed like that they had it all together. But there's one thing that they lacked. They lacked the spirit of the living God. They lacked truth in their life. And without truth, you can make it to the top. But at the end of the road, when you've climbed up the corporate ladder and you get to the top, you'll find an ultimatum of spiritual death. Romans in chapter 8, you can see this as a theme throughout the book of Romans, chapter 8 verses 6 through 11, it reads like this, for to be carnally minded is death. Look at your neighbor say, don't be carnal. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Can I tell you tonight that if you don't have peace of mind, if you're walking around afraid, if you're walking around lacking peace of mind, that God wants to give you peace of mind. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Did you know that there's a difference in between walking around thinking in a car in a carnal way being caught up in carnality and thinking in a spiritual way people that are spiritual think different they don't look at the church and complain about it and talk about it. They look at the church and they talk about how proud they are to be a part of the church. They look at the church and they talk about the goodness of the Lord. in the good things that God is doing. We put on the mind of Christ. We don't walk around carnally minded. We don't walk around caught up in the thinking of. Of the world. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse tonight. But I hope we can put on the mind of Christ. I hope that we can see through the eyes of the spirit. And not dwell on things of evil. Not dwell on things of the flesh. But dwell on things that are of God. And to dwell on faith. in the goodness of the Lord. And the good things that God is doing. So when we put on the mind of Christ. To be spiritually minded is life in peace. And verse 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You cannot please God in the flesh. If you attempt to live your life in the flesh, it's not a life that is pleasing to God. We crucify the flesh. We get rid of the flesh in our lives. We get rid of those things. To be in the flesh cannot please God. And verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Say it with me. You must be filled with the Spirit. If any man not. Have not the spirit of Christ. He is none of his. And verse 10 says, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And verse 11 finally says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Ladies and gentlemen, this scripture is speaking of personal revival. That we don't walk around subject to the death of sin, but we put away the ways of the flesh and we raise to life in Jesus. We put away death and we inherit the life That is given to us by the Spirit of God. We are Christian Life Church. It's not just a catchy name. It's a way of living. Because our name speaks of the life that is synonymous with being filled with the Spirit of God. And so maybe you attend church. But when you go home your life feels like chaos. And darkness. And desolation. I want to tell somebody in this place. That when the spirit of God comes into your life. That you can live an elevated life in Jesus. You don't have to walk around with your head hung low. You don't have to walk around with depression on your mind. Beat down by the weight of the enemy. But God removes the weight of sin. So you can rise up a new creature in Christ Jesus. Someone say that. That means you. You can have life in Christ. So revival is not a moment of time. Revival is a state of living. Revival is not a conference. Revival is a way that we go about our each and every day. We don't live a life unto the death of sin. But we live a life that has revived us in Christ. And you can walk around with a smile because you have the joy of the Lord. You can walk around not bitter, hurt, and angry. But you can walk around with the spirit of faith. Because you have been elevated to a new life in Jesus. You can put put behind you the weight of sin. And put behind you the bitterness in the past of yesterday. And arise a new person in Jesus. I'm trying to be applicable today and teach you that you have been revived in Jesus. That when you receive the spirit of the living God, that you have risen up out of sin and into a life that is in Christ. You've resurrected up out of defeat, up out of the death of sin, and into the newness that is in Jesus. And so we die to the flesh. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we literally crucify the flesh. In fact, I read a story one time about people in the Philippines that every year they came together and they selected an individual from one of the tribes... One of the areas. And what they would do is they would literally crucify the individual. They would whip the individual. They would pierce the hands of the individual. Literally crucify the individual. And at the same time, all of those of this particular group of people that consider themselves themselves believers would take these whips that had shards of glass and rock. And as they marched this man down the street, and he carried a very literal cross, they would take these whips, and they would whip themselves in the back as they walked down the road to the point that blood would pour down their back. And they would be in the most immense amount of pain. And this is what they believed that it meant to be crucified in Christ. Don't get it twisted tonight. Christ has already been crucified. He has already made atonement for our sins. We don't need another person to be literally crucified. We don't need another person to literally endure the weight of sin by being nailed on a cross. But what it means to be crucified with Christ is it means to crucify our carnality. To put away our fleshly desires. That means getting rid of pride. That means getting rid of lust. That means getting rid of the ways of the world and the thinking of the world and the patterns of the world. Crucifying the old me. But I want you to note tonight that Christ was not only crucified but that he resurrected three days later. Can I tell you that when we crucify sin, when we crucify the old us, that we too can be revived in Christ and rise up in the same way that he rose through his spirit and through his power, and we become a new person in Christ Jesus. Say it with me. I am revived in Christ We are made alive with Him through the Spirit of God. You, you ever notice it seems like that we tend to get it mixed up in regards to death. We hear the word death and it's kind of a scary word. Anybody kind of scared of that word death? We hear the word, it's a word nobody wants to hear. Yet according to the pattern of Scripture, to die is to live. And so when we talk about dying out to the old you, when we talk about dying out to the flesh and dying out to the sin, in the spirit to die is to live. And so when we put away the ways of the world, we put on the mind of Christ. When we put away the weight of sin, We put on the ways of Jesus. And so to die in the spirit, to die out to the flesh, is to live in Christ. But I'm afraid that when we think of death in a literal sense, that our fallible human understanding thinks of existence as a momentary state of being. We assume that maybe, if we're lucky, we have 70, 80, 90 years to life. Some count down the days fearful of what death may hold. But I'm reminded that the scripture says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Can I tell you what that means? That means that if you're full of the Spirit of God, that you don't have to be afraid of death. Because when we get to the other side, we get to the whole thing we've been living for all along. We don't ha- I know it's quiet in here tonight, because we don't like to think about death. We get scared of the word death. We get it twisted and we think that we're physical beings that encounter human experiences. But truly, we're spiritual beings who are living the human experience. What I mean by that is you've been created to dwell in perfect communion with God. You have been created to dwell in the midst of the garden with God. Remember that in the beginning, that the weight of sin was not upon mankind. We weren't created for the weight of sin. If we were created to be able to endure sin of a, on our own, Jesus would have never had to have been crucified. If we were created for this present day in this present world, then there would be no hope of glory. But I want to remind you tonight that you were created for heaven. You were created to dwell in the Spirit of God. I don't think that's something we should be upset about. I think that that's something that we should be excited about. That while life is momentary, that eternally we will dwell in communion with the Spirit of the living God. That we will worship about His throne. And so truly, to die is to live. James, the fourth chapter, verse 14 says, Whereas we know not that what shall be on the morrow. In other words, we don't know what tomorrow holds. For what is life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanishes away. When we think about that context of Scripture we can easily think that it's pointing to the fact that life is momentary. That it's like a vapor. It's here for a moment, and it's gone a moment later. And perhaps that scripture is pointing out the fact that life is not eternal, but that physical life is momentary. But furthermore, I don't believe in in coincidences in the Word of God. I don't believe that there are things in the Word of God that are placed there by accident. And so when we consider the terminology used, when we look at the word vapor, we understand that a vapor is the state of something. And that the same thing that is a vapor transitions from being vapor to being liquid to being solid. You ever had an ice cube melt in your cup? It went from solid to liquid and then you could put it on the stove, heat up the stove and the liquid would begin to boil and it would become a gas. And so when we think of life being like a vapor, even though that that vapor may become unseen by the human eye, even though that that vapor may disappear, if you will, from our current reality. That vapor's never gone, but it transitions its state of being. Now, can I apply this tonight to the fact that when you lost your loved one, that they are not gone forever, that your loved one did not disappear from reality, but like a vapor, we transition from this life to the life that we have been created to live. And so we don't have to walk around fearful of what tomorrow holds. You don't got to walk around so afraid of death that you're, up, you're upping your life insurance every single day. But you've got to understand, I'm not trying to be morbid tonight, but it's something that we have to be excited about. That this is momentary. That life is just for a moment. But that dwelling with the Spirit of God is eternal. And that on the other side, there's not going to be pain. There's not going to be sin. There's not going to be disappointment. There's not going to be sadness. But if you're baptized in the name of Jesus if you've repented of your sins and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, there is a hope of glory that you can look forward to. I know the song says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. But I want to say tonight that we were created for the other side. That we were not created to walk around under the death of sin. But we were created to walk in the newness of life. That is in Jesus. But we were created to have communion in relationship with God. You ever notice the pattern that everything that dies brings forth life? I remember one day driving through what Caitlin thought was a beautiful forest. And there were Leaves. It was about this time of year, just a few years ago. And she is a lover of fall. We drove down the road and there's orange leaves. They didn't have any yogurt, but there's an orange leaf. And there's some red leaves. And, and, and there were some yellow leaves. There were leaves on the ground and a few leaves hanging on the trees. She looked at me that day and she said, My, she said, How beautiful is this? And I said, I know, would you look at that? All of that carnage of dead leaves that are dying on the ground. How beautiful this death of life. It kind of became a little joke in between us. She kind of hit me and almost made me steer off the road. She wasn't happy how I put it in those terms. But this time of year we look up at the leaves and perhaps you think it's beautiful. But what's happening is the pretty leaf hanging outside your front door is dying. It's almost dead. It's an old leaf. But when it falls to the ground, what happens is when the snow comes, it buries the leaf. I know y'all hate it because around here, there's a lot of work that goes into leaf management. You got to, you got to plow the snow and you plow the snow and there's leaves under the snow and it just kind of gets to be a mess. But I want, I, I want you to watch the cycle that God put into place. The leaves fall, the snow covers it, and then what happens is when spring comes around, that snow begins to melt off and it gives water to the ground below. And those leaves that we just had their funeral a few months before, are dead on the ground and they fertilize the soil. And all of a sudden around May, flowers begin to bloom forth and the leaves begin to disappear because what died in the fall brought forth life in the spring. So you ladies that oddly love carnage and the beautiful funeral going on outside, I want you to understand today That those leaves that died are going to turn around and they're going to bring forth life just a little bit later. Can I tell you that in the same way that when Jesus died, we know he didn't stay dead, but that he arose and brought forth life. And in the same way, when we die to sin and when we die to the flesh, that the very same thing that died may provide the nutrients necessary to sustain life on the other side. What I mean by that is we put away sin, we put away lust, we put away worldly living, we put away pride. Those things die. But on the other side, it may just be a little while later that life begins to spring forth in our lives. That no longer do you walk around depressed, but joy springs forth. No longer do you walk around with a frown on your face, but you can all of a sudden walk in the joy of the Lord. I think that that's something we should be excited about because you may have had a momentary season in your life that felt like a time of death and desolation, but it may be that very same moment. That turns around and is your testimony in your tomorrow. And so, be thankful that the Lord allows us to go through seasons of some relationships that have to die. Some things in our life that has to be buried. Some things that have to stay behind us because just... A little while later, life will begin to spring forth in your life. And you'll begin to walk around with a new smile on your face. I've seen people come up out of the waters of baptism. Watch how God just put this ride into application. That we are buried with Christ in baptism. And we arise a new creature in Christ Jesus. And in an arisen state of being, we're filled with the Spirit of God. I've talked with people that, They came up out of the waters of baptism and they looked like a completely different person. And it wasn't because they were in a funky looking robe and their hair was wet. But they had a new look on their face. Because all of a sudden the weight of sin was removed from them. And they came up a new creature in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you tonight that if you walk around with the bondage of sin on your life. If you walk around reminding yourself of what you did in your yesterday. What your past used to look like that when you came up out of the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus, that those things stay dead in the water. You can live in Christ. You can be a new person in Christ Jesus. You've got a new life and a new joy and a new peace. Don't worry about the past. It's dead in the water behind you, but you've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so this is a biblical pattern that what dies brings forth life, that when we kill the when we kill the flesh, that the spirit is made alive. In Solomon in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, is going through a very interesting part of his life. He became the richest person in the world. Somebody say, Ma, that would be nice. One of the wealthiest person, persons that ever walked the face of the earth. Researchers say that he had upwards of trillions of dollars in modern money. Very, very wealthy man. He pursued wisdom, wealth, women. Uh Uh-oh. He pursued all kinds of things. He had hundreds of wives. He had everything. He pursued work. He buried himself in work. You ever know people that do that to try to find meaning? Buried himself in work. He's searching for the meaning of life. He does all of these things. And he doesn't find happiness in any of it. Doesn't find happiness in work. Doesn't find happiness in wealth. Doesn't find happiness in women. It kind of sounds like a country song, to be honest. Doesn't find happiness in any of these things. And so, he pins the words in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. For that which befalleth the sons of men, befalleth the beast, even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. In other words... They all fall to the ground in death. They only have one life. Yea, they only have one breath. So that a man hath no more preeminence above a beast. For all is vanity. Perhaps you've heard this passage of Scripture where he says, Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Verse 20. All go into a place, all are of dust. And all turn to dust. Again, kind of a depressing passage of Scripture. He's pointing out the fact that man was formed out of the dust of the ground and that to dust will he return. But we see a little glimpse of faith in verse 21. He's not quite open about it, but we see a little glimmer. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward? in the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. In other words, what Solomon was recognizing is though he was still on a pursuit of the meaning of life, that while the beast dies, and while that someone that is full of sin dies to sin, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, that though the beast dies and that though, though the one that, Is full of sin, will ultimately face death. That the person, the man or the woman that is filled with the Spirit of God goes upward. He said the beast goes downward. In other words, the beast dies, but the one that is full of the Spirit of God enters into life. May I remind you today that if you're filled with the Spirit of God, that while the beast may die, and that while sin may end up ultimately at death, that when you're full of the Spirit of God, when you're living a a righteous life according to the Word of God, that you don't die and stay dead, but that you are risen into a new life that is is in Jesus. And so we we see a shimmer of hope in Solomon as he recognizes that there's something more than the end. There's something more than man who is dust returning to the dust. But that somehow the spirit man, the spirit nature of man rises. He doesn't fall to the ground as the beast does, but he rises. Here he is speaking of the fact that with the Spirit of God that we have been risen. And so when we speak of revival, we're not speaking of an event. We're not speaking of a momentary portion of time, but we're speaking of a state of living. We're speaking of a state of being that we live a revived life in Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, don't walk around with a dead look on your face. Got to make sure y'all are awake today. Don't walk around living life like you're some walking dead. But live your life like you have been elevated in Christ. Live a revival lifestyle that we don't walk around under the weight of sin. But the reason we worship and lift up our hands is because no longer do the chains of sin hold us down. But we have been set free. We have risen in Christ. I'm not going to be much longer tonight. But you'd speed it up if you get with me. That we no longer are dead to But we have been risen in Jesus. We've got a new walk to our walk. We talk a little different. We live a life that's a little different than the life we lived before. Because we have been risen a new person in Jesus. I dare somebody to be a walking revival. I dare somebody to go back to your job and walk around like you're a child of God. I'm not talking about walking around with Some sort of fleshly pride. I'm not talking about walking around with some sort of arrogance that you claim is the Spirit of God. But I'm talking about not walking around with the weight of depression on your mind. I'm talking about not walking around with constant fear of what tomorrow holds. I'm talking about not living a life that is full of chaos and drama and gossip. You ever notice people gossip and wrap it up like a prayer request? you got to pray for sister so-and-so. She's really not living right, in case you already didn't know. People live lifestyles as a result of sinfulness. They live under this weight Under this, there is a void in their life. You ever notice people try to walk around trying to find meaning? They pursue so many various things. We talked about it a moment ago when we talked about Solomon and his search for meaning. And people pursue different routes. They pursue fame. They pursue fortune. They pursue wealth. They pursue women. They pursue all of these things looking for meaning. And the reason is, is because man has been separated as a result of sin from the Spirit of God. That there is a void inside of man that is an empty place wherein God's Spirit can fill. And so when someone is filled with the Spirit of God, that void in their life is filled. But when someone is not filled with the Spirit of God, When someone has not yet come to a revelation of truth, they try to fill that empty place. It's like a puzzle with a missing piece. They try to fill it with alcoholism. They try to fill it with drug addiction. They try to fill it with temporary moments of pleasure. They try to fill it with all of these things. And every single time, it's like trying to put a puzzle together and the piece just doesn't fit. And they're left feeling empty. And they're left feeling like there is a void inside of their lives. But I find it no coincidence that when we open up our Bibles to the first passage of Scripture, when we open up our Bibles, you think God is an intentional God, right? God's a God. Do you think there's anything in the Bible that's not supposed to be there? And so when the reader opens up the Word of God, And he's introduced to this God that perhaps he knows not of. He's introduced to this God that perhaps he has never heard of. He's introduced to the fact that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters. I don't find that a coincidence because I think in the same way that when, when darkness is upon the life of an individual and when their life is without form and they have a void in their lives and they've not yet formed into the person that God has intended them to be and they walk around with the missing piece in their life seeking to fill the void that they're introduced to the spirit being, this God, that is first known, not as the king, not first introduced as the Messiah. Not first introduced as the living word, but he's introduced as the filler of the void. Can I tell you that tonight if you fill a void in your life, I want to remind you, you can get filled with the spirit of the living God. He seeks to live inside of you. He seeks to rise you up to an elevated life that is in him so walk around joyful. Walk around with a new pep in your step. Because I want you to know that the Spirit of God has made you alive. I won't keep you long tonight. Would you, would you stand with me all across this room? And before I dismiss tonight, I wonder if all across this room, if you just lift your hands to heaven. And if we could just call on the Spirit of the living God. Lord, I pray tonight that every person that would fill any sort of emptiness, that they would be filled. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would show us the meaning of the death of our past. And that we would arise a new person into a new life that is given to us through your Spirit. I pray that this week that you would be with each person and that you would help them to recognize that you have brought them into a newness of life. In Jesus' name, thank you for bearing with me tonight. I think it's important that we study the Word of God. I know that we're a church that we like to shout, we like to run and sing, and I love all of these things more than all of you. But sometimes we've got to dive into the Word of God and understand what it means to be Bible-believing Christians. So tonight, I want you to leave here tonight understanding that you've been given a new life in Jesus. And so when you walk out of these doors, I want you to see today as your first day. Don't consider tomorrow. Don't consider what used to be. But walk out of here and say, this is a fresh start for my life.